The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare wrap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. If you're just now joining us, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. We're in season seven now, where we're writing the consumer health playbook and answering three important questions. Who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? Let us know what you think about this episode and what topics you're dying to hear about in future episodes by reaching out on LinkedIn or Twitter at Healthcare Wrap. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about what a consumer strategy role might look like. How can we shake up our org charts to better reflect today's healthcare consumers? I'll talk about that. Then Craig Karchner from Honor Health is back in the house to share some provocative thinking about the challenges of reaching today's consumers in legacy health systems. It's fair to say that a majority of consumers don't understand the complexity of the healthcare industry, and they don't really care. They just want it to be easier and less expensive. Craig shares how health systems can up their game to provide that higher level of customer experience. And yes, we'll explain why he refers to customers as opposed to consumers or patients. Let's get into it. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. One important step in legitimizing consumer strategy is giving it a place on the org chart. Let's address five questions about what this role might look like and what it might take to gain some traction in the job market. Question number one, what might a consumer strategy role look like? We asked this question to the Consumer First Health Group and their responses included things like being responsible for knowing the customer better than anyone else. Some described business functions such as patient activation, pivoting towards the concept of activating patients versus acquiring them. Other respondents mentioned culture-based responsibilities such as connecting other teams, driving empathy, and coordinating stakeholders in implementation. Question number two, what skills and competencies might be needed? Consumer First Strategy refers to designing products and services centered on consumers' health and wellness needs. This includes any part of the consumer experience that happens well before they seek care or even want to encounter a healthcare professional. There are three parts. First, understanding consumers, which includes understanding the choices that we have and what leads us to choose one type of healthcare over another, or even whether we choose not to seek care at all. The second part is engaging with consumers to understand their expressed and unexpressed needs and desires. Third is designing around their jobs to be done. The community also had some great responses on this question. Everything from research design and change management to transformational leadership and a future focus. Question number three, what might the job title be? This was a tough question and one that we might see evolve a lot over the coming months and years. But some of the responses from the community included chief experience and outcome officer, head of experience, customer advocate, patient activation officer, and even CEO. Question four, where does it belong? 
This is also a tough one. Right now, I'd guess that less than 1% of healthcare organizations have a place for this type of role, simply because by definition, it's equal parts finance, digital, innovation, operations, marketing, and human-centered design. Does that sound like it really fits in today's org charts? I'm not so sure yet, but it leads us to question number five. How quickly might it gain traction? A quick LinkedIn search for job titles with the term consumer strategy in the hospital and healthcare industry yields 12,000 results. Compare that to a similar search for marketing jobs, which yields 723,000 results. Information technology gets even more, 780,000 results. And finance gets 254,000. Time will tell if that starts to balance out. But remember when digital was just a project for interns? Or what we did before content marketing even had a name? Now there are chief digital officers and chief content officers. One other question that the community addressed was whether consumer strategy belongs as a new role, or if it makes more sense to incorporate these skills into existing departments and job titles. One thing's for sure, this conversation is just starting. We're truly in early days right now, which makes it even more important to start talking about this a lot more. Otherwise, we'll get stuck with jobs and people in those jobs that do not reflect the new healthcare consumer. It's time to think about consumer strategy roles and how they can propel us into the future. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. Let's get into the flow here. Give it up for Craig Karchner. Craig's the AVP of Marketing and Customer Experience at Honor Health. Craig's in the house today to share some provocative thinking about marketing and customer experience and that fun word that we hear so much, consumerism. What does that mean these days? And and what do we need to know from a health systems perspective about how to make some progress there and what it's all about? We'll dive deep into some related topics here. But first and foremost, Craig, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Thanks for having me back, Jared. I appreciate it. I was, I'm really honored to be one of the first guests you had back in like December of 18, I think. And here you're just surpassing 200 episodes. Props to you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that was like guest five or six. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure I can count on like, yeah, one or two hands there. Uh, how long ago that was, which just goes to show I need to do this more often and, and have folks like you back here a little bit more often. But uh, first and foremost, what did I miss in your bio? What else would you like our listeners to know about you and your background? I don't know that you missed anything necessarily. I'm, I've been focused on healthcare marketing and customer experience for, for several years now. And I think those two necessarily need to go together. System, health systems have a separate CX department, customer experience department, which is great. That's awesome. But if they don't, I think marketing is the best place for it because marketing is often closest to the customer, understanding for market research, understanding where the customer is and what they want and need. So that's like, that's my passion. I'm super passionate about data-centric marketing and customer experience. I'm just going to keep letting you preach here, man. Like this is, this is music to my ears. Uh, <laughs> let's get this started here. Why don't, you, why don't you tell us something that gets you out of bed in the morning? I mean, the literal is I have a four-year-old daughter who comes into my bedroom at, you know, three or four in the morning, every single morning and is kicking me in the throat. And I mean that very literally. She sleeps laterally for some reason and kicks me in my face. So that literally gets me out of bed in the morning. But more uh, beyond that, I've turned into an old man. I don't think I'm that old, but I've gotten into like gardening and landscaping and pickleball. So like two of the quintessentially old man sort of activities that's me. I love pickleball and I love like planting trees and shrubs and taking care of them. So 
I guess being an old man gets me out of bed. So I don't know if that's necessarily part of being an old man, the whole pickleball thing, but I think it's more just the fact that you live here in the Valley of the Sun along with me here in the Phoenix area because uh, I, I can tell you, lately I've seen uh, tennis courts in our area that have been remodeled into a pair of pickleball courts. Like they've, they're taking over. It's a great game. Yeah. Maybe we need to play sometime since we're in this, both in the Valley of the Sun. Let's do it, man. Let's set it up. So let's dive into this, Craig. Whenever I bring up this word, it's funny, you know, this community that, you know, that you've been a part of, in fact, of this consumer first health group that I've, that I've talked about from time to time. And we've been having these, these monthly calls. We hear that word. We hear things like consumerism. We hear things like consumer experience. And it tends to see one of two reactions. You have those who, who really, uh, that gets them excited to kind of gets them going to say, yeah, like there's some effort here. We're trying to make some progress. And then there are those who, who really do roll their eyes and are like, not that term again. <laughs> and I feel like part of that is understanding what the definition of consumer centric versus consumerism is, you know, like some of these words themselves. What I've seen is that even the definition is, is very different depending on if you're talking to clinicians or you're talking to pharmacists or life sciences or you know a, med- a medical device or pharma company. We're all talking about it in a different way. And, th- and then you get over here into the, uh, the marketing team, the digital team, the customer experience team, and it has a very different meaning. What about from your standpoint here, when we start talking about consumerism itself, what types of things are, are happening from a health systems point of view? I think if you had to define it in one word, which is a totally unrealistic expectation, but it would be competition or competitive. That to me is the operative word in the definition of consumerism or customer centric. It's that health systems have to be, if they're going to be customer centric, they have to be competitive. They have to compete for business. And that means they have to understand what customers want. Just like any other industry, if you want to compete for business against Ford and your GM, you got to understand, okay, what type of car, what type, type of truck or do people want to drive? How much power do they want under the hood? What kind of a, you know, appointments in the cabin do they want? We really need to understand our customers so that we can compete against Ford and get more customers. No different in healthcare. If you're customer centric, you want to know them backwards and forwards, inside and out, I guess, literally in medicine, inside and out, right? so that you can compete for their business, serve them better so they choose you whenever they have a choice. That's it in my mind. So how does that play out in terms of the types of of initiatives that it seems like everyone should agree on, right? Everyone should nod their head, it feels like, when we say, yeah, of course, we want to provide a good experience. We want people to come back and understand that this is part of our brand of healthcare that we are offering. We should all be in agreement, it feels like. So where are the battles fought right now? Where's the most disagreement when it comes to consumerism? I would say that it's between physicians and or clinicians, I should say, providers, and then the non-provider teams, right? Oftentimes the customer experience department or maybe marketing or sometimes even operations department. And it's this, the physicians, when they hear that we are, focusing on customers. We want to make the system more customer centric. They're saying, what, what are you talking about? We've been focused on the patient for, you know, since our inception, I trained for years and years in school to focus exactly on the patient, to understand 
uh, look at the diagnostics and the data from scans and labs, pathology, whatever, to understand the patient and then to help them heal. That There's no way to do that without focusing on the patient. And they're right. It's true. They are wholly focused on healing that patient. So it's really thinking beyond the clinic or hospital walls. That's the difference. And that's the, you said where the battle is fought. That's it. It's whether you're looking at the entire holistic journey of the customer before they even need, know they need a healthcare service all the way through care, through the hospital stay or clinic or whatever it is. And then long beyond, that's how I look at customer centrism is accommodating needs and wants for the entire journey, not just for their slice when they're sitting in front of the doctor. The, it, our research shows that we've done a lot of journey mapping, a lot of market research, customer experience research, and we find that patients love their doc. Very few complain about their doctor. They want more time with the doc, right? But once they get in front of her or him, they love them. You know, they don't have very many complaints about the time with their doc. So that's not really what we're talking about improving. We'd like to give more time, of course, to the to the doc so they can spend time with the patient. Really, we're focused on the before and after. And you heard me just toggle back and forth between patient and customer or patient and consumer. That's very deliberate because physicians, and they've told me this many times in the past, hey, Craig, stop using customer. Like, that's a dirty word. You know, you don't need to say customer. They're patient. We serve patients. And in my view, that is precisely part of the problem is they are patients when they're in the hospital clinic, when they're in your care, right? When they're being treated for something or being helped by you to heal. But before and after that, they're not necessarily your patient. They're a customer and we have to treat them as such. That means that we have to earn their business over and over and over. Aaron Martin says that healthcare companies and doctors, right? Think that their patients are monogamous. They're in a monogamous relationship with this patient. But the fact is the patient is cheating on them all over the place. So we can't consider them, quote unquote, our patients because they're not, <laughs> unless they're literally with us right then, we can't consider them our patients. They're potential patients, they're customers, and we have to compete for their business. You know, what's interesting is that I could not agree more. I think our listeners know that I feel very strongly in the, in the same direction that there are so many choices and there's so much content. There's so many conversations that need to happen that influence a decision to seek care so long before anyone actually seeks care. And this is primarily for, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say necessarily acute care, right. But a lot of uh, primary care and even some secondary care, you know, specialty care, not for the big stuff. I mean, for the big stuff, yeah, you're going to figure it out and, and you're going to do it until you feel comfortable with the provider you're seeing. I, I think that's pretty safe to say for the most part. And I'd lump chronic care management into that as well. There are definitely circumstances the, and there's types of patient care that are going to be well vetted by the majority of people, it feels like. So this is for all of those other types of care that we're either avoiding because we don't feel like the experience was worth, you know, the, the hassle, like the result wasn't worth a lackluster experience. And so we've just either chosen to not seek care at all, or we don't understand our choices. And so I feel like it's it's pretty fair to say that a majority of consumers, they don't understand the complexity of the current healthcare system. And more importantly, they don't care. 
like you, we start to, from an insider's perspective, we start to explain, well, you know, this is why this happens. This is why your bill looks this way. This is why it took this long to, you know, get scheduled in with your specialist. And, and this is why, this is why, this is why. And they don't really care for the most part. They just want a better experience. And I feel like that has accelerated. I think it's safe to say with the circumstances of the last couple of years uh, and, and the state of the world. So the question would be, how are we hoping to provide a better customer experience? Like, where do we start? Where are those standards? I guess where are a couple of key points to get started where we feel like it can make a difference? Yeah, that's, I mean, that is a, that's the critical question. I would always advocate starting with research. It doesn't have to be primary. You don't have to commission research necessarily, although I think journey mapping is super helpful. But you have to understand where you're failing. As a doctor, as a clinic, as a hospital system, wherever you are, you need to understand where you're not meeting the needs of your customers. And that their needs, by the way, are changing all the time. Obviously, so you can't just do the research once and be done with it. You got to continually understand. So once you understand where their needs and wants are, you can start to put together how you're going to meet them. I think you'll invariably find that those needs and wants are going to fall into three or four categories. They're probably something like this. One is access to care. People want to be able to get in fast when they want, where they want, right? They, w- they don't want to wait for the appointment. They want it to be close to them or maybe in between their house and their, and their job, their work. So access, that's going to be a big one. And that's where we fail a lot of customers. The second is care navigation. So care, if you're just going in for your annual checkup, in all likelihood, that's not that big a deal. You don't need help navigating that, right? It's for the clinic and back. But for a lot of care, it's much more involved than that. You have multiple specialists. We've heard stories of people leaving their primary care provider's office with nine different appointments to follow up on, including imaging and pathology and then a handful of specialists. That's a lot of follow-up visits to try to understand and navigate and set the schedule. And oftentimes, it involves multiple systems. Not every, not all of those specialists are on the same electronic medical record or the same patient portal. And so it's a lot of phone numbers to call. It's a lot of things to figure out. That's very frustrating for people. And we've got to, that's another thing like low-hanging fruit that you can focus on. The third category is communication, patient communication. They want patients and customers, they want to be able to easily get a hold of their care team, and not just their care team, not just the provider, but billing and tech issues and health information management for their records and so on. So the entire health ecosystem, we've got to be better at communicating back and forth, making ourselves easy to get a hold of. 24 hours a day using different channels and different methods. If we were to add a fourth category, I would say it would be empathy or listening. We have to be human. Everything I just talked through was a lot of tech, but through it all, the fourth category is we can't be machines. We're talking about people's lives. We're talking about their health and well-being, their ability to be there for their kids and grandkids. So we've got to be empathetic and listen to people and care about them and be a shoulder to cry on and, and so on. So those, those are the four categories I would say that, that we need to focus on 
as healthcare marketers and customer experience specialists, access to care, navigation, communications, and humanity and passion. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Hey, listen up, y'all. Did you know that nearly 60% of people wish their healthcare provider sent them more relevant health information? And 42% would even consider switching to a different provider that sent them more, according to a recent survey of patients in the U.S. The vast majority of them would prefer to get that information via email or text. Persado is a natural language AI company that provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized messaging journeys proven to build digital relationships, improve health goals, and increase patient retention. Deliver better health outcomes and revenue growth with Persado's data-driven content that inspires action. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com to find out how Persado can help. Justin Knott here with the Patient Convert Podcast, your weekly dose of healthcare marketing growth strategies, co-hosted by Justin and Kelly Knott. This is perfect for physicians, practice owners, healthcare entrepreneurs, and healthcare executives. We are breaking down what practices and healthcare organizations should be doing to grow, reach, and retain patients. There's so much confusion and so many options out there around what you should be focusing on to grow your practice, and we're breaking down each week what really works. We're bringing real-world application, case studies, and interviews from leading growth-minded physicians and healthcare executives. So catch us weekly on your favorite listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Okay, back to the flow. So I listen to that list, which is an outstanding list. And then I think of like the skill set involved to have to be able to do all that, to implement all the tech. I mean, that is a skill set in and of itself. The evaluation, the implementation, the training, the checklist of let's make sure this thing connects with this thing. Here's three other point solutions. Let's make sure they all connect to this thing. And all the data is going in this direction and, and understand where all the pipes are flowing. And that's a big skill set that someone needs to have. And then you're talking about, I'm so glad you brought in empathy into this conversation. That's a different skill set a lot of times. So there's less of a question than there used to be even a couple of years ago in terms of why progress is so hard, why progress takes so long, you know, why it takes so much effort, because those aren't skill sets. I mean, I don't know about you, Craig, like I didn't learn most of those skill sets in school like when, yeah. and any work I did there. And so what's your take on what the skill sets are that we need to even make progress? You're, everything you said is totally right. I think one big area of focus is the transitions of care. And you'll hear that anyone who talks about clinical quality, improving quality, or even in other industries, you know, where the mistakes tend to happen is in the transitions of care from one unit to the next, in between shift changes, so on and so forth. It's, it's that in between. So we need to focus on those, but extending that into the tech world, it's the in-between, and you alluded to this, Jared, it's the in-between technologies. How do we integrate those systems to be able to talk to each other intelligently? So I would say the way we've focused it on our health, on those in-between phases, is first 
on our own employed medical group, our own employed physician, and our our EMR, our electronic medical record, which is epic, right? So let's maximize our use of epic. Every tool that, that would help satisfy some of those customer needs, let's focus on those first. So that is like online scheduling. It's epic fast pass, which is like a wait list feature where you can put on a wait list and then uh, you'll be automatically alerted if an appointment opens up sooner than your originally scheduled appointment. And e-check-in, trying to make the clinics paperless using an electronic check-in and registration method. And video visits, of course, that's a given, right? Especially through the pandemic, we saw use of that skyrocket. And asynchronous care, offering care that you basically fill out a form, the patient fills out a form and they get a diagnosis uh, within 24 hours. And that's not for every condition. But so my point is, maximize your use of the tools you have according to what your customers are asking for, what they want, what they need. So there's a lot that Epic can do to help you help the patient access care, navigate care, and help you communicate with your patient. And then next, so once you've done that, then I think the, the next thing is to think more holistically, and you have to do it from the customer's perspective. The trap we often fall in is assuming that what I just said, we focused on putting our house in order and maximizing our use of our existing technology. It's easy to, to just focus on that exclusively, but not to accommodate the not employed, the affiliated physicians. So Honor Health has a medical staff of roughly 4,500 physicians, right? And other clinicians. And of that, our employed group is only about 350 clinicians. So the vast majority of the people who provide care in our offices and are otherwise affiliated with us, the vast majority are not employed by Honor Health. We have over 60 electronic medical records that are represented among those independent physicians, independent clinicians. So if we just focused on my chart, on Epic and my chart, we would only be accommodating a, a small percentage of our patients and customers want to meet. So talk about the, the in-between technologies. Now we got to integrate 60 different EMRs and somehow make sense to the customer and help them navigate care among a lot of different systems and a lot of different physicians. So their experience along the entire healthcare ecosystem is a positive one. So then you got to start pick up, picking off how you're going to do that. And a lot of it is going to be culture changes and relationship building, as odd as that might sound. It's making the case to those independent positions that we can work better together to meet the needs of our customers. It's going to help our, ourselves. We're going to get more business, but also we're going to be able to serve their needs better. And I've found that relationship building has been so helpful, over, especially over the past, I don't know, year or so to work together to solve customer experience problems. Man, that was a long diatribe, Jared. I'm sorry, that was too long. <laughs> no, I was just relieved that you weren't going 
the route of saying, hey, there's some point solution. There's some digital tech solution to solve all of this. <laughs> you went the route of relationship building and, and I applaud you for that. I really do. I couldn't think of a better way to, to say like what it, it's going to take for us to get to a better place. Because I always try to think in terms of what should happen versus realistically what is going to happen, which kind of leads me to to think like, if you can give us a bit of a reality check here, what kind of progress do you think we can realistically expect in the industry when it comes to customer experience, like in the next one to two years? I, it's a very good question. I feel like we can expect significant improvements in CX over the next handful of years. And it's really by necessity. This has to do with the mother of invention. We, all the traditional healthcare companies are the little turtle hatchlings on the beach. We're scrambling to get to the ocean. And we are being attacked from above by seagulls and from below by fish and sharks and whatever eats turtle hatchlings. I, I, don't, I don't actually know the answer to that, but <laughs> clearly something in the ocean eats them, right? So we're being poached by, we're talking about traditional healthcare companies are being poached by the likes of CVS Minute Clinic and One Medical and Forward Clinic, and they are grabbing all the the high volume, low acuity, primary care, urgent care type business. And from above, the goals are the Cancer Treatment Center of America and other specialty clinics that are grabbing the low volume, high acuity, high profit margin services. So we are just getting squeezed further and further. And if we don't solve the customer experience problem, if we don't compete for business so that we're focused on what the customers want and need, then we will get completely squeezed out. There's a lot of merger and acquisition going on and a lot of people going out of business, healthcare companies going out of business. That's going to continue. So there's an imperative to make quick progress. And I think the progress we can expect to see is this, that people will start to have the Burger King mentality, have it your way. I think that websites, healthcare websites will start to have a a menu of ways to access care. And it'll be at your discretion for a huge, an increasingly wide number of services. So do you want to have a video visit? Do you want to do an asynchronous visit where you fill out this form and wait for a reply? Do you want to come in? And if you want to come in, do you want to, is, we're going to help you. Is this an urgent care or an, an emergency room type of visit? There are a lot of options for care. And not only are there a lot of options that we're going to leave it at the customer's discretion, how they, which one they prefer, we're also going to make sure that they can get in fast and close to them. So that's going to mean we have to offer different types of care. I think that uh, home health, you've seen the shift, of course, to away from hospitals to lower acuity levels of care. So, you know, outpatient facilities and so on. But that's going to accelerate an increase where people are getting a lot of their care at home. And I think technology costs will continue to go down so that people can have Bluetooth connected healthcare devices in their home. That'll be more and more common and will allow people to more conveniently send relevant data to their their caregiver, blood pressure data and weight and all the things that you can capture with your Apple Watch and, and so on. And I think that's going to dramatically increase customer experience as well. I think you'll see the health system 
build themselves around that data, how they can receive and intelligently use that data from the customer, from the patient. Those are a couple thoughts, Jared. And if I had another minute, I'd probably come up with a few more. What are your thoughts on that, though? Love to hear what you think. Well, you know, I don't know if anyone has ever turned that on me. I like this. (laughs) I feel like the future, one way or the other, is going to be less hospital centric. And I don't think that means necessarily to the extreme that they go away or their part in the healthcare experience from the majority of consumers is any less relevant. I just think like what we've assumed is a lot of the entry points. You met, you pointed to primary care, right? You pointed to a lot of things that happened before you need to see a specialist. I think there are a lot of brands coming into the space that their first entry in it, their 1.0 version, uh, you know, whether at, I'm, I'm talking Walmart Health, even Amazon to some degree, CVS, Walgreens, their initial forays into healthcare, I think some of them may have done okay. But I think for the majority, it, it's safe to say at this point, we're still in the early stages. And I do think that is going to happen pretty rapidly in terms of where they're going to go. And I think we're going to see some in the next round from those players. And it might not even be those players. I mean, what, the last 12 to 18 months, we've seen everyone from Dollar General, Best Buy, CrossFit, Mark Cuban, right? Like everyone's in the space now. I think there will just be more players. And and when it gets to more choices, there's something to say about the market dynamics that, that we'll say we'll be able to look back in a couple of years from now and point to some things that have really made progress. All that to say, I'm rooting for hospitals. Uh, I'm rooting for health systems. I'm rooting for whoever's going to make this experience better. If it's a health system, great. If it is one of those retailers, I'm on board. <laughs> like whoever, whoever that is, I want to see better experience happen. And until the experience is good enough that it doesn't keep people from avoiding care because that happens a lot right now still until that sees some improvement, then I think we have a long way to go. And I don't think we have any right to say like we've done enough or we don't need to prioritize this. There are people at the end of the day right now who are not seeking care because the experience is is too hard. It's not convenient enough. Like you said, we didn't even get into pricing, right? And then like, is it just ultimately useful enough for them? So I think we will see progress there. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you didn't, go, you know, again, I was only being a little facetious in terms of my, I'm glad that, that he didn't point to tech and say, this is the way we're going to solve everything. Tech is part of this. We're building a better experience that takes tools and that takes connections and that takes building better plumbing so we can build something on top of it. So I'm very bullish. I'm very hopeful of of what we'll see. And I think it's going to happen a lot faster than we were used to. And the more we can not resist that, but actually lean into that, there's an opportunity right there to, to demonstrate to patients, to demonstrate to communities that we do have their best interests in mind. I think that the opportunity is endless if we just see it that way instead of resisting it. You're alluding to the fact that we're really talking about a cultural shift. And what larger cultural shift has there been in healthcare over the past I don't know, a couple of decades, then the shift from fee for service to fee for value. That's it started you know, a couple, yeah, I don't know, a couple decades ago and it's continuing on today. But people talk about how that will help save money and increase quality outcomes, right? Improve outcomes. But they don't talk as much about how that's actually going to improve customer experience as well. Because if you think about the cultural shift that implies moving from getting money every time you schedule a or every time you perform a surgery or shifting to keeping people healthy that invariably you have to develop a relationship with the patient in order to do that. You're not going to make that shift without better developing a relationship with the patient and helping them live better, make better health choices 
access care. It forces a focus. If you don't want to go bankrupt, right? It forces a focus on the patient and what they want and need. So I think that we have to push that part of that shift to fee for value. And then you'll see physicians and their care teams, their, their staff with them, will have to make it easier to get a hold of them. They will be do a lot more intelligent outreach to patients and uh, their care plans will be easier to follow and easier to track results over time because the whole incentive is to keep people healthy out of the clinic, out of the hospital. And the better you can make the experience, the, the more likely people are going to be to follow the treatment plan and to make those good choices. Thanks for giving us so much to think about. Uh, for our listeners who do want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, probably the, the best way is on LinkedIn. Find me Craig Karchner on LinkedIn and uh, I'm pretty quick to respond. Especially if somebody challenges you to a pickleball match. Bring it on, man. If you're ever, if you're in the Valley, <laughs> open challenge. <laughs> Love it. Well, thanks again. Stay safe. Uh, best of luck in everything you're doing. And, uh, and I'll take you up on that game sometime soon. But thanks for everything you're doing to make healthcare consumer first. We really appreciate your time. No one's doing more than you, Jared. Love these uh, podcasts. So keep it up. Thank you. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap. Thank you.